When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. I didn't want them to hold their heads down. I have always been a coach who have told them to control the controllables. And unfortunately, this is a situation that's way beyond our control. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers. The Her Hoop Stats Podcast. Here's your host, John Little. What a week. What a day. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. I never could have imagined that we'd be wallowing in this news together today. What a day for athletics as a whole and for anybody that loves the college basketball tournaments, the the women's tournament, the men's tournament, college sports in general. With all the spring sports championships in the NCAA scrapped, it's just something you never thought would happen and something that you wondered what it would take for something like that to happen. And I guess we have finally understood. Good to have you with us here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I had promised you a podcast with Charlie Cream, the bracketologist from ESPN, and yes, Charlie is coming up here in just a little bit. Really appreciate his time to get some perspective on exactly what went down today. Um, But I want you to hear it from some of the other people that we've had on our podcast here over the last uh, couple months. Uh, Adia Barnes, the head coach of Arizona women's basketball. She tweets, I just had to tell my team that our season is over. Just like that. We work so hard. We were getting ready to host in the NCAA tournament. We had not been there in 15 years. 
her heart's broken. Kelly Graves, the head coach of the Oregon Ducks, talked to him over the summer and couldn't take my eyes off his team this year. It appears our unfinished business will remain just that. Disappointed, but I completely understand. I love and hurt from my team. Jeff Walls from Louisville. Our thoughts and prayers go out to anyone affected by this disease. We understand why this decision was made. To my seniors, you don't remember days. You remember moments. Class of 2020, love you. Tony Kemper, the head coach of the Marshall Thundering Herd. We had him on the podcast here recently. He says, I'm proud of how this group finished. We will miss the contributions of all of our seniors. They will be great in their next chapter. Thank you to our family and fans for their support. Stay safe and go herd. Marshall had a large contingent of fans make the trip from Huntington out to Frisco to uh, watch some of the games. Karen Aston, the head coach at UT, thank you for your blood, sweat, and tears, she said when she was talking about her seniors. Understand the circumstance, but feel for my seniors. The memories are for life. Much love to you all. And Southwestern Oklahoma State head coach Kelsey Music, they were going back to the Division II NCAA tournament. Uh, They were about to start on Friday, and uh, of course last year they went all the way to the championship game. And she says, my heart hurts for my seniors and all the seniors across the nation who played their last game without even knowing it. Everyone works all year for this opportunity and dreams of playing in March Madness. And to have that opportunity taken away from them by no fault of their own is hard to swallow. With that being said, it is now our priority to pray for our nation's health and well-being. And I, I think that's really well said by Coach Kelsey Music of the Southwestern Oklahoma State Bulldog basketball team. It um, was just a, a shocking day, and I was right there on the front row for it today in Katy, Texas, as part of the Southland Conference Tournament. Let me tell you a little bit about my week. Um, uh, yeah, we started to hear the rumblings, of course, um, and I was working both the Conference USA Tournament and the Southland Tournament doing uh, some play-by-play and analysis on the ESPN Plus broadcast. And, yeah, we were starting to hear some rumblings early in the week. In fact, late last week that, you know, what would it take for the NCAA to not allow fans at games, right? And I I really didn't hear many rumblings of them totally scrapping the NCAA tournaments uh, altogether. Uh, But started hearing those rumblings late last week. They got a little louder as far as not allowing fans, but it felt like it just ramped up so fast. Like even while we were there at the Conference USA tournament yesterday, which was Wednesday for that opening day, I did two women's games in the morning and and two men's games in the evening. And things were just changing throughout the day. And the biggest bombshell that dropped, no doubt, was the NBA. When Rudy Gobert was reported to have uh, the coronavirus and to have tested positive for it, Um, the NBA almost immediately uh, canceled or at least postponed the season, right? And that sent shockwaves through everybody. Everybody's checking their phone. Of course, everybody that's there working the tournament, we're all around our phones and we're just kind of looking at each other, trying to keep our head down and do our job. But like, man, uh, this is getting out of hand. And then, um, you know, later on from Conference USA, hey, we're evaluating the situation. Eventually, they decide not to allow fans. We hear from the Southland Conference down in Katy that they're not going to allow fans uh, the next day 
on Friday. We roll on, finish our games. We got done in Frisco, which is just north of Dallas, uh, at about 11 o'clock on Wednesday night. And then I drove four and a half hours down to Katy, which is near Houston, uh, to get ready for the Southland tournament. So I crawl into bed and I, I don't go to sleep till like 4 a.m. Get up at 7.30 this morning, get some uh, things polished off, and I'm off to the Merrill Center there in Katy uh, to start getting ready for the tournament. Really, it wasn't until about 10 minutes until tip-off that I got the sense that things might not go down because that's when everything started to come in uh, from the Big Ten and the Big 12 and the ACC, and they all piled up all at once. And you could see the dominoes falling. The bigger conferences first, and then we got word uh, from Conference USA up in Frisco that they weren't going to play. And then um, there was a delay in our game. We actually went on the air on ESPN+. Plus. We had a first-round game uh, between Southeastern Louisiana and University of New Orleans in the Southland Conference Tournament. We had done our pregame. Uh, we had uh, introduced the coaches, told about their stories, and we were waiting for the tip, and the tip wasn't coming, and starting to put two and two together while we're on the air, you know, we started to tell the story of of what's going on, that, you know, there are not, you know, really any fans there. Uh, it's only essential personnel and only uh, people on pass lists that were able to make it that day, and the band was there. And uh, we started to just tiptoe through this, but it started to become apparent that uh, Southland Commissioner uh, Tom Burnett, who wasn't there in person, he's on the selection committee, and so he was out in New York. Uh, Burnett was on the phone with John Williams, who you're going to hear from in just a moment. And John Williams was uh, hearing from Burnett, and Burnett was having to talk to presidents of universities and, and try to get a consensus across the Southland of how to go forward. Uh, the girls were told they could warm up again if they wanted to. They chose to do so. And then eventually, about 10 minutes later, uh, we had to deliver the news that the tournament was canceled, that the Southland Conference tournament was done. And these girls are on the floor in their jerseys. They had warmed up almost to the point of tipping up the ball in what would have been, could have been their last game, and they weren't even allowed to play it. And, of course, the tears are just flowing for these young ladies. And your heart is just ripped out and ripped to shreds for them and for what they went through. And in just a moment, you're going to hear from Keyshawn Davenport, the head coach of UNO, and you've got to hear what she has to say because she just does a wonderful job of telling you what she said to her team in that moment, in that huddle as they're crying and she's trying to put on, not trying to put on, she is putting on an incredible face uh, for them, but it's coming out of her heart, and you're going to love it. Okay, so I, I've just got to tell you, stick around for that. If you don't get anything else, get Keyshawn Davenport's interview. That's coming up here in a second. But these young ladies, I, I mean, they're, they're crying. They're on the floor through no fault of their own. To go back to what Kelsey Music said, their season's done, and right after we wrapped up the ESPN Plus limited broadcast that basically just brought the news that we weren't playing uh, the Southland Conference Tournament. 
Uh, I went up to John Williams. He's uh, an associate uh, commissioner, deputy commissioner for uh, the Southland Conference. And we talked about what went down. Mr. Williams, what a surreal situation that we've just experienced here in Katy. Can you remember anything akin to this in your years of athletics? Never. In my 40-plus years of being in this, this sport and uh, watching games and watching things like this, nothing's ever happened like this. And probably the toughest thing is making that announcement. Uh, when you see the girls start crying because it's their senior year and uh, their, their career ended just like that. And it's kind of like life. You know, you, you're here today, gone tomorrow. But they're... It is so tough, and that certainly hits home with me. I lost a loved one this week that, that it was it was totally out of nowhere. And, you know, um, and you're exactly right. Can you take us, you know, behind the scenes as much as you can when a conference, I mean, it came down so rapidly. Um, let's just start at the beginning of this week and trying to think through the process of possibly not allowing fans, first of all, right. at the facility. Well, we started off at the beginning of the week just looking at this and saying, hey, you know, uh, we knew things were going to happen when we didn't know when. And so we were going on the, on the premises that we're going to play it as is. Uh, Tom and I talked, uh, our commissioner talked all day yesterday, all probably every hour, uh, talking about possibilities of what could happen. We got to the point where, you know, other conferences were shutting down. The uh, NBA shut their whole season down for a while, and it's like, you know, anything could happen. So uh, we wanted to be safe for our student-athletes, for our fans, and make sure we didn't put anybody in jeopardy. Uh, so we decided to go with no fans. And uh, just the uh, pass list for the players and, and uh, uh, the uh, people that are already credential staff and, and support staff. Uh, but today came down, and you know, as you may have heard the Big Ten pulled their teams off the court, and uh, other teams were pulling them off. You know, it's 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 one of those things where we just felt that uh, we didn't want to be, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to be proactive and make sure we didn't get anybody else sick or anything like that. Uh, but just the safety of everybody, and then you know, the, the concern now is will we have even have an NCAA tournament? And uh, chances are that's probably not going to happen. Uh, because, you know, with the NBA shutting down, it's a good possibility that this is shut down, the NCAA tournament is shut down. And if you don't have an NCAA tournament, then why have a conference tournament? Because that's the only reason you're having a conference tournament is to get into the tournament. So we, have a, we, have a, we had a great year. Uh, we, have, we had some exciting uh, women's basketball this year. We had, uh, you know, four teams that were fighting for first place, and it came down to the last week. And quite honestly, you know, that was about as exciting as we, we've ever had is, is to have a team win it on the last night and the last day and out of four teams. So, you know, it, it's it's uh, sad that we couldn't finish the tournament, but we did have a great year. And I think in anything in life, you've got to look at the positives versus the negatives. No doubt about that. You know, I've heard so many people in covering this conference this year, and I'm sure it's the same at every conference. All right, we are playing for Katie. We want to be... Um, at the top of our game by the time we get to Katy because that's how that we make the NCAA tournament. Exactly. How weird is it that, you know, everything that they prepared for and searched for over the course of the season and they built toward, yep. I, they can't fulfill it. They can't fulfill it. And, and, that, and that was the pain that you saw on the student-athletes when, uh, when we made the announcement is that, you know, it's done. It's over. And, and, and I can remember as a player, that last game that I played was probably the, the toughest feeling that, you know, you're never going to get to lace up those shoes in that uniform again, play with your friends and play that game. 
Well, they thought they had another day. And all of a sudden, within minutes, they don't have it. It's gone. And everything they worked for is gone. So, you know, yeah, it's just a game, but it's life. And uh, you learn from these lessons. And, and I'm sure this is going to be something nobody's ever going to forget. And uh, we just got to look at see what the positives are in all of this. But uh, uh, it's unfortunate that we, we had to end it this way. That's John Williams, the deputy commissioner of the Southland Conference. And uh, he was right there at the head of it as they were trying to decide whether to play or not in Katy at the Southland. And I hope that that kind of gives you some behind-the-scenes look as to what happened today uh, all across the country. Uh, that was just one of the tournaments that was canceled. And then I had the chance to talk to Keyshawn Davenport. She's been at University of New Orleans for nine years now. And I'd never talked to her before, uh, but I was so glad I approached her after this. I, I mean... Tell me this isn't heartfelt. Tell me this isn't someone who who knows right where she stands, knows right what she believes, and was able to guide her girls, her young ladies, through one of the most difficult moments of their entire lives. I, I, I just saw you once, um, you know, the the realization was setting in that it was a possibility that your girls wouldn't get the opportunity to play today. You gathered him in, starters, some of the seniors. What did you tell them? Um, I told them that I was grateful and I was blessed to be their coach. And no matter what the decision was in a few minutes, that it couldn't take away what they had accomplished this season. And that, um, you know, all future privateers would be chasing what this team has done. This team won 13 games in conference that made history for our program, the most wins in any conference for us. When we were in Sun Belt and in the Southland, no team had accomplished that feat. And still uh, being one of the teams that's leaving on a win. You know, only the champions finished their team with a win. But last Saturday, we beat Southeastern with a win. So no matter what, our last game was a W. And that I was just, I'm just grateful. And that I didn't want them to hold their heads down. I have always been a coach who have told them to control the controllables. And unfortunately, this is a situation that's way beyond our control. So we can't do anything but comply and go along with what they have already said. And then, you know, just live to see another day what gives you the strength to do that um because i don't know uh, maybe some coaches wouldn't have the ability to do that spur of the moment in that moment was it something you thought about ahead of time just in case it happened or or what gives you that ability my faith in god i'm a believer and I know that at the end of the day, he is always in control. And even though we did not foresee this, he already knew that this was going to happen. And um, I'm a coach, and my first job is to uplift my players. I take my job very seriously and keep them focused on uh, those things that they can control. And um, I just told them in the locker room, you know, I was set to speak at the Final Four for the Fellowship of Christians um, at the Leeds Breakfast. And... Um, I had been preparing and asking God what it was that I was saying. And um, the thing that rang in my spirit is, was to tell coaches and players that would be in attendance that, you know, this is a ministry um, that we're in. We get to impact lives through the game of basketball. And sometimes we as coaches, we focus on the W's and the L's, but it's so much bigger than that. We have a chance to positively impact the lives of young people, and we need to keep that in mind. That is a ministry. But even when you're in a ministry, you experience misery. 
Mm. And this is misery today for my seniors that did not have a chance to um, finish what they set out to accomplish this summer. This is one of those miserable moments, right? But um, misery only lasts for a moment. Those are the ends. We have a ministry. We will experience uh, misery, but our misery is only for a moment. The light afflictions that we're going through cannot be compared to what is waiting for us. So I I encourage my uh, returners um, to remember this, but let this moment be what propels them into having a great um, summer workout and preparing for next season. Again, control the controllables. This is life. Life happens. We get hit with curveballs all the time. It's not so much about being hit. It's how we respond to the hit. So, again, I I want everybody to be safe. I want us to all, um, you know, take care of our families. I understand the decision that is made, and I'm not mad at anybody for making that decision. Again, I just want everybody to be safe. And, again, nobody could take away what um, privateers have accomplished this season. How tough was the Southland this year to win in on a night-by-night basis? I think every year the, the Southland is tough. Uh, and, I, and I think um, the records towards the end of the season showed it. And when you look at us, we finished 13-7, and seven, but, you know, uh, I think three or four of those games was one possession game. We lost to the champion at their place by, what, two points in the last minute. And then we lost to uh, Nichols by two points, who was under us. That's two games. We could have easily been 13 and, uh, I mean, 15 and and five. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it just, any given night when you have Incarnate Word and the year that they had this year and beating three of the top teams and no one expected them to make the run that they made and, and Nichols winning their last seven games, I think that's speaks to the strength of the conference and that every single night that when you go out there you can't look at records you have to respect your opponents and bring your best game well I'm, I'm so sorry for what happened today for you for your players but I'm I'm blessed by your spirit and I, I really appreciate really appreciate you talking to me thank you oh thank you for stopping me and putting a smile on my face that's University of New Orleans head coach Keyshawn Davenport and after I talked to coach Davenport um I, I wish I was still rolling for this because I just, I just told her thank you. Uh, and I, I said something like, I, I, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this. And she said, oh, this is nothing. Not when you've been through Hurricane Katrina and had um, the NCAA say that you could pick anybody, you know, any of the players on your team could transfer, and you had to pick up, uh, you know, your, your team for two weeks, and you had to move them out to Texas for a couple weeks. And, and the things that she had to do, I, I'm thinking that was probably during her time as an assistant uh, there because uh, it was uh, I, over 10 years ago now. Um, but she, she just had all this perspective. Not when you've been through Katrina and you know what that did to New Orleans. We're going to be fine. I mean, this is, you know, relatively small potatoes to that. You know, obviously on a grander scale because it affects every single NCAA program. Uh, but what a great perspective. And I'm so glad that I got to talk to her. And then she said, uh, yeah, we're going to take these lemons. We're going to take these lemons. We're going to add a little Splenda. We're going to make ourselves some lemonade. And um, anytime I started getting down today, I started thinking about uh, Coach Davenport saying that. So thank you so much to Coach Davenport for her time. So uh, that kind of sets things up for Charlie Cream, the bracketologist for ESPN. What a day he has had. And I've got to warn you, the audio here at the start is very crunchy, very overmodulated. 
me, the audio guy, does not like it at all. Okay, so I just apologize. I was trying a different way to record, and it didn't work out early on, so I apologize to Charlie for the way it sounds off the bat. Um, but if you stick with it, it gets better about 30 seconds in, and it's uh, it's tolerable after that. So uh, thank you so much to Charlie Cream for joining us just to talk about what went down. Yeah, it's just one of those, you know, your head's kind of spinning a little bit, but um, you, you, you get frustrated by the fact that we're not going to see the culmination of an entire season and everybody's efforts. But the reality is for me is that next season – there's presumably uh, there's another bracket there's another season to follow and plot the teams and analyze the teams for the kids the seniors on all of these teams across the country they don't have a next season so it's one of those things where they're the the people that we need to feel bad for the most Um, administrators, coaches media, we all get a next year, a next bite at the Apple. They, in in the span of, of 48 hours, or maybe not even, had everything that they'd worked for for a season, for four seasons, ripped away from them on something that they have no control of, that nobody has any control of. And that's, just, that's not to say that these, this decision to not play the tournament wasn't the right decision and a decision that had to be made, but it doesn't leave you any less fulfilled for those kids knowing that they just got gut punched and and i'm sure the emotions for them are just raw and 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 all over the place sadness anger frustration confusion what do i do next some of them won't play basketball ever again and this was you know, they're supposed to be the crown jewel of their careers. And that's the people that I feel bad for. And I hope everybody else does too. It's just, it's, it's sad. It's unfortunate, but unavoidable at the same time. You know, I I think I would have understood the moment had, you know, everything gone down as a, as a fan, as a contributor, whatever you want to call me, I think I would have understood the moment and and would have understood how the kids felt uh, from afar but I, I was sitting there at the Southland Conference Tournament at 11 a.m. Central Time as the dominoes are falling in several of the big tournaments around the nation, including, you know, some of which had played their, um, already played their women's tournament, and some of them hadn't. So the, some of these were men's tournaments falling, but the Big 12 was one, uh, one of the women's tournaments that fell. And, and you could just see the dominoes falling, and then, they held up the start of the game. I was just telling the story, Charlie. They they held up the start of the ca- game, and you could tell that the girls knew what was about to go on, and it was like a 5-8 seed game, Southeastern Louisiana versus UNO. A couple teams, Southeastern hadn't been there in that tournament like since 11-12, and then UNO had had one of their best seasons ever uh, as a Division One program since coming back to Division One. And these girls' eyes were just welling with tears as they knew it was about to come, and it just it, it helped me realize what uh, what what a big thing it, it was to them for sure. And and I wish everybody, you know, that's thinking about themselves in that could, could see that could could seek that out because uh, you know these girls put in 
and and guys uh, on their side too they put in their lives for basketball you know some of them 14 15 16 years and it's it's just gone like that charlie uh, yeah exactly they this was supposed to be for a lot of them you know the culmination of all of those years all of that work there's no better feeling as an athlete to go out on top so to speak and and Anybody that won a tournament at the conference level was going to go to the NCAA tournament, and and only one of those teams was going to be able to win their last game. But nonetheless, a conference tournament to teams in the Southland is is the big moment because you know it's getting to the NCAA tournament is is the big thing, not as much as is expecting success in it. So this this was it for them. Uh, I guess the you know if you're looking for a modest silver lining, it's that some women's conference tournaments did get to be played and a champion got to be crowned. And for the men, for the most part, that didn't happen. Um, but it doesn't. None of it makes it any better. Whether you got to play in your conference tournament, but and then were expected to play in the NCAA tournament, and that's been taken away or you're at your conference tournament and you're there, like, you know, you were just describing, you're there, you're ready to go. You've, you did your shoot around in the morning and you practiced the day before and that's all you're thinking about. And then, you know, the, the sense of dread that you have of knowing that someone's about to essentially tap you on the shoulder and say, you're out and, and there's nothing you can do about it. And, and I can't, uh, I, it's, I can't imagine what that must have felt like in that, you know, that 10 to 15 minute window when you know it's coming and, and there's just nothing you can do about it. And, and, and you know, there's nothing that anybody else, there's nobody to be mad at. And that's the, that's really hard because sometimes when you have things taken away from you, you have an adversary that you can lash out at, or you can, you can focus your emotions on. But in this case, it's, it's a, it's an, intangible entity this this virus and 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 we'd reach the point now where the decisions to, to cancel things were kind of had kind of become no-brainers like a couple of days ago when the ivy league initially canceled its tournament there was this this thought that wow that's a mistake they could have at least tried to play in empty gyms these kids from Penn and Princeton and Yale were getting a raw deal. They, there's, there had to be a, have been a better way. Well, now that we reached 48 hours later, I think we all realized that there really wasn't a better way. That maybe the Ivy League was actually in front of this, and it, it doesn't doesn't make the disappointment of the Ivy League kids any less or more substantial than of the Southland Conference kids. But it. You know, it, it was no one, like I said, no one to be mad at because the decision was kind of clear at this point that the canceling of all of this is what had to be done, and um, and that that's hard to kind of wrestle with too. Was the moment that it kind of hit home for you that this was all going downhill? Was it was it the Rudy Gobert infection for for you? Because that was kind of the moment for me where I was like, okay, you know, this this hits home with somebody that is in the public eye that we know that we know has been around people and all that stuff and and then you extrapolate it out to okay what if that happens at the ncaa tournament or whatever you can't take a chance now was that kind of the moment for you or was it something else 
They, it was. I think my my gut feeling had already moved in that direction, maybe a little bit earlier than that. But I can tell you, I, I, this is one of those moments in in life I think where you're going to always remember where you were. And so the Rudy Gobert moment, I was at my dining room table uh, with my daughter and my wife, and all of a sudden I we had the TV on and I saw breaking news so i jumped up out of my seat and my daughter says daddy where are you going and my wife tried to explain to my daughter what i was what i was trying to find out my three-year-old daughter who is you know obviously doesn't know what any of this means Mm -hmm. and and when i when i saw that when i saw the Gobert news i i i I looked turned on to my wife i said this is huge like if this wasn't big before this is now huge i said now there's a player said the nba is going to shut down I said, now it's the clock is pretty much ticking. And I went back into my office. I was working on some things, a bracket. I was actually writing a little some, some men's basketball stuff that I, that I also do a little bit. And I had, um, I had my normal setup in my office. I had a TV on and I was watching the Syracuse, North Carolina, ACC men's game. And I had uh, a PAC 12 men's tournament game on my iPad. And the whole time I'm supposed to be writing uh, a kind of a season synopsis on Colorado. That's the team I was working on last night. And I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't focus on, and in the, in the back of my mind, I, I'm thinking, why am I, this is, this is all, this is all a waste of time because these games aren't getting going to get played. Mm. I'm writing this. I'm, I'm killing myself. I'm staying, I'm going to end up staying up late to do this where it's, it's going to, it's basically going to, you know, metaphorically wadded up into a ball and throw it in the garbage can. And so, so it was a, it was that bigger moment, I guess, for me, it was sort of a, a the, the Gobert thing just before that, maybe when just the way the day had gone, my head was a little spin was spinning a little bit and then taking it into the moment where it was kind of quiet and I just had the games on and was, was trying to do this, this synopsis on Colorado and it just kept hitting me like, like this is this is over, this is over. It's 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 delayed here, but the whole thing's going to be over. There's no way we get 24 more hours in this NCAA tournament is still going to have legs, and uh, and it, it it took <laughs> it took 18 of those hours almost I think, but but it obviously it did happen. So and and that's a sequence of time that I won't I won't ever certainly not quickly forget. And it happened you know, too slowly from that aspect, you know, or it felt like a drug out, but at the same time, everything happened so quickly as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wonder if they were, I, I, I wonder, and I think eventually we'll probably learn more about sort of the, the timeline of how things transpired. But I know during the day, the NCAA was catching a lot of flack from a lot of media folks. Like, how can you still be having this tournament? Mm. But I think deep down the criticism was, was a little unwarranted because I think we all knew it was coming. My guess is they were tr- maybe looking into the idea of seeing if it was feasible to postpone it and play it in May if if this virus and the situation around it would would allow for that. I'm I'm guessing they were trying to exhaust every possibility to give the kids the rightful chance that we all want them to have to compete for a national championship. But I think you get to a certain point where that just you, you just keep hitting walls with that idea. So I, I'm, I'm guessing here, I have no 
intimate knowledge of whether that was true or not, but I'm guessing it took as long as it did because they were looking at possible a, a possible solution, and uh, and just there just ever there just wasn't one. Your bread and butter, obviously, is is the bracket, and that's where so much of your waking hours get poured into for just uh, weeks and weeks and months and months leading up uh, to the NCAA tournament. Is there a sense to you that, like, all that's just kind of wasted, or how do you how do you look back on this at this point, and how do you hope you look back on it later on? Um, my last the last few hours I've spent with all of this, I've really been thinking more about, okay, what do we do next? Is there a story to tell? Not that I'm a storyteller per se, as you said, my bread and butter is the bracket, but I am part of a of a small team at ESPN.com and ESPNW that covers women's college basketball. And, and I would have been writing on games in the tournament, and I would have been preparing things and uh, analyzing things as we moved into a Sweet 16 and things like that. And I was, I was getting ready to be on the selection show to discuss and dissect teams' chances of advancing and who has a good draw, who has a tougher draw, things like that. So I haven't had a chance to process really the whole you know, what was the work for if we didn't play these games? But now that you've asked that, and I, I get a chance to maybe think about it here for a second, I, I don't feel it's a fun process just to go through during the course of the season. It generates conversation. It I, I'd like to think that it gives the game a, a little spice because it's something else for people to, to talk about, to get on social media about. So I don't view the whole thing is as any is any sort of wasted time or unfulfilled effort because it did serve a purpose still and and it all and i hope it always will now is there a little tiny piece of me that's just because i'm not going to get to know was i on the right track did did i have my the bubble teams right you know as a as, as a bracketologist that's sort of the that's sort of the, the the crown jewel to your accuracy, right? A couple <laughs> couple couple things that I measure myself on. It's how do they do in the bubble teams? How closely did I see teams to to where the committee did? And and what did I get the you know the order of the top teams correct? And though I, now I don't know. Uh, I, just, I joked with somebody today. I think we we, we had a teleconference, kind of a what do we do next teleconference for yeah, for our ESPN W crew? And, and I made the joke of, Hey, I got them all right. Again, I certainly didn't get them wrong. No one can say I got it wrong. That's right. And, you know, trying to let, bring a little levity to it, obviously pretty somber conversation. Um, and, but in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. I, you know, no one's really keeping, people do keep track actually, but but it's really more about the the moment in the year, and and I'll rem- I'm, I'm certainly going to remember this year. But I, I won't I won't be I don't think when I look back I'll be disappointed in any way that it did it, it didn't get to the finish line, because it's still like I said it's still served a purpose. People seem to enjoy the, the this the idea of bracketology, and it, and I hope they will again next year and. I hope that next year we just get we do get to the finish line with it and with the tournament, and we, you know we get a champion and, and we get to see a whole season fulfilled. 
And can you imagine how much appreciation there's going to be for all of that next year? That's for sure. And that brings us back in this full circle to the people there's not a next year for. You know, to bring it close to home, there's a kid that, uh, you know, I live near the University of North Texas. That's where I went to school. Um, there's, a, there's a point guard uh, from there, Ryan Woolridge, who transferred to Gonzaga. And, you know, I saw his, his tweet that, so I grad transferred to not go to the NCAA tournament. And then, you know, you've got North Texas, who hasn't been to the NCAA tournament in 10 years, and they won the COSA, and, um, but then they don't get to go through and you know, try to win a tournament championship. And then you've got all these women's stories as well, which, uh, which I've seen too. I, I'm most concerned about the seniors here. Do you think it – do they have any case whatsoever, seniors and grad transfers, that if they wanted, they deserve another year of eligibility? Well, there's two sides to this. Um, there's the emotional side. The answer to that question would be, yes, of course, they deserve a chance. But then I'm gonna I'm, now I'm going to kind of shed the bad news or maybe the, real, the realism part of this. I don't know how that's feasible. Uh, I, I think if you ask anybody, if you surveyed anybody who said, you know, all things being equal and the, and the world is, is, you know, after this whole thing passes, the world is idealistic. Do you think those, those kids have, should be given the opportunity to come back and play another year? And everybody would say yes. But here's the thing. You've got, you've got incoming freshmen that are using scholarships or partial scholarships. And if you also have scholarships for these these seniors that aren't gonna uh, that are gonna come back and use that money. That's extra money to a program. So that's one. Number two, if you're doing it for basketball, well, we just saw the, all the spring sports wiped out too. So you've got to do it for baseball, for yep. softball, for mm-hmm. lacrosse, for golf, for for tennis. Uh, and there's a third piece to this: is the NCAA just lost a billion dollars? That billion dollars that it earns every year from the NCAA men's tournament is what funds all of the sports that we're discussing, women's basketball, baseball, softball, lacrosse. So so not only does do those sports now get more expensive for a season, the money that is used to fund them is not there. So I don't really know how in any realistic financial world that this can be done. Now, I, it's, that's going to be the hot topic of conversation for the next I don't know, a month, two months, could be all summer. I don't know how long it'll last because I don't know what, at what point the NCAA comes out and says, economically, this just can't work. We're really sorry. Um, and, and I don't know if there's a workaround that, that, I'm, that people much smarter than me would be able to come up with where, where the money, you know, the money issue isn't is severe as I'm envisioning it probably is. But that's that's my take is that I just I really would love this to happen. I really would love to see that opportunity. But it, it, you know when I when I keep thinking about the possibility, I, I just come back to how how is it going to happen? Because every piece of it doesn't line up the the way realistic expectations could be. So I, I'm just I'm skeptical that we'll see this. Man, I really appreciate your time today. At the end of 
a crazy week and a crazy day, one of the most rough days we can uh, imagine in recent memory. Uh, from the bottom of our hearts, we appreciate uh, you being with us. I, I really appreciate it. I really appreciate the work that you guys do. I think we've, uh, you know, between what ESPN does with women's college basketball and what, what Her Hoop Stats does with women's college basketball, I think we're taking it or hoping to take it to an even greater level of, of attention and uh, fan interest. And uh, I, I, can, I hope we continue to work together and, and build this game to be the biggest and best it can be. Let's do it. I agree completely. Thanks again, Charlie. No problem. That's Charlie Cream, the bracketologist for ESPN. I really appreciate his time and uh, just giving us his, some of his uh, expertise and some of his knowledge of how things went down today and, you know, his raw reaction to it. It's been a rough, long day for everybody, and I'm running on three and a half hours of sleep, so I'm going to let you go. But please rate and review this very raw podcast today. Um Thank you so much to everybody that's uh, rated in the past on Apple Podcasts and, and given us a review. And, hey, if you review the podcast, I, I might just read it on the air. I'm just warning you. I'd be happy to read your words. You can also reach us by email at podcast at herhoopstats.com, podcast at herhoopstats.com. i got a good one for you coming up on Monday as well. Uh, I've talked to one of the greatest players in WNBA history, uh, one of the most decorated players, the all-time leading rebounder, the five-time champ, Rebecca Brunson, who just retired and now joins the coaching staff with the Minnesota Lynx. And so I get to talk to Coach Brunson coming up on Monday uh, about what is new for her. So I hope you join us then. I just hope that you continue to find joy in your life through this time. I, I know this is going to be a difficult time for our nation. It's not just about sports. And it's a difficult time for the world. And frankly, I get tunnel focused on what's going on in the U.S. And if it doesn't happen in the U.S. and it's not happening in my backyard, then um, I'm way too blind to it. And that is not right. It's been a tough time for our world. Um, now, this pandemic is, is spreading into um, many other countries and the U.S. appears to be one. I just hope we band together. I hope we do something nice for other people, that, that it makes us a better people, that it brings us together and doesn't tear us apart and doesn't have us fighting over toilet paper. All right, just don't, don't fight over toilet paper this week. Let's have the right perspective on it and let's be a better nation and let's be a better world on the other side of this crisis than we were going into it. Thanks so much for listening. From the bottom of my heart, I appreciate it. It feels like the end of an era the end of the college basketball season when it shouldn't have been. It's so weird. But, hey, thank you for listening. And, uh, hey, we'll see you on Monday. Things go on. The announcer on the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Susie Solis. Thanks so much to her. Thanks to Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com, for doing the music. And then Aaron Barzilai is our executive producer. For everybody, I'm John Little, reminding you of the Her Hoop Stats podcast. We are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. 
Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.